morning everybody welcome to our worship service to faith evangelical church welcome to those of you that are joining us online and i was just thinking how neat it is right now that the one true living god of all creation made each one of us made every single thing in existence is actually right now in heaven pleased that you are here to worship him he's pleased to see his people come and offer up praises. Uh, and it's not because he's selfish. It's not because he's a, a, you know, an egomaniac. It's because he knows that it brings us, brings you and me the most amount of joy because that's exactly why he created us, to be able to bring him glory and to worship him. So we're going to do that first by reciting his word back to him. And so we go through Psalm 119 uh, each Sunday until we get through it, which is usually a few weeks in in the year. And uh, this is our second time going through it. It's a real blessing because it just gives us a uh, a really good insight into how majestic God's word is to himself by giving us this scripture. So this is Psalm 119, 81 to uh, 88. And this is the 11th letter of the Hebrew alphabet, Kaf. And it says, my soul languishes for your salvation. I wait for your word. My eyes fail with longing for your word. While I say, when will you comfort me? Though I become like a wineskin in smoke, I do not forget your statues. How many are the days of your servant?" When will you execute judgment on those who persecute me? The arrogant have dug pits for me, men who are not in accord with your law. All your commandments are faithful. They have persecuted me with a lie. Help me. They almost destroyed me on earth. But as for me, I did not forsake your precepts. And then finally, verse 88 Revive me according to your loving kindness so that I may keep the testimony of your mouth. And we thank you for that word, Lord. We thank you for reminding us constantly on the surety, on the sure foundation, the reliability of your word and how amazing it is. Thank you for giving it to us, Lord. Thank you, most important, for giving us the living word, the word that was made flesh, Jesus Christ. We come to worship you only because of what he has done for us out of pure love for each of us. So Lord, we love him back because you first loved us by sending him to us. So Lord, we come here today to worship you, to praise you in his name, Lord, and we know that you're pleased with it. And that just brings us great humility, Lord, to be able to spend time in such a way with you, all united as one in Christ. And so that's what we yearn to do, Lord, be with us and guide us by the power of your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so let's all stand together, and we are going to worship the Lord. The lyrics will be up here. The music's going to come from here. <clears throat> Sing with us. How can I keep singing? 
Apocalypse. Amen. Let's let's pray together. Father God, we we come to you rejoicing and we can sing hallelujah. We are free because you've taken our sin and penalty that you took our place and then have given us grace upon grace. What what undeserved favor you have given to us through the sacrifice of your son. What what joy it is to be found after being lost, to be rescued from our sin and and to come into a new life with you, to be able to call you Abba Father, to be able to say, as we've just sung, that we are loved 
by the king, and that does make us want to sing. It does make us want to rejoice. And so we praise you and worship you as the ultimate source of joy, the ultimate source of peace and goodness, a peace that the world cannot give, a peace that can't be found in anyone or anything except for you. And so we cry out to you, Abba, Father, we love you, Lord Jesus, our Savior. And Holy Spirit, we ask that you would work in our hearts today. We recognize that we are a needy people. We're weak, we're selfish, we're proud, we're stubborn, we're indifferent, sometimes cold to you, to what you've done. And so we ask, Lord, that you would forgive us that and awaken us, give us a quickening of our spirits that we'd be able to see you and savor you and enjoy you for who you are. Thank you that you meet us on your terms, that you rescued us, that we didn't seek you and find you, but you came and found us and rescued us. And we are so grateful for these graces upon grace. And so, Lord, we come to you with confidence to the throne of grace because you've invited us and that you want us to be here. And so we we want to lift up those amongst us and, and people that we've been praying for. Lord, we, we continue to lift up Denny Green and his battle with cancer. And, and now that he's traveling back to the States um, to be able to be with his family, we, we just pray that this would be a sweet time of fellowship, that you would give him encouragement from you through them and that you would encourage them through him and that the work that you've begun, you will continue and, and just continue to restore him and heal him. And we thank you for the work you're doing in, in his life. Uh, for those who are mourning amongst us, we pray for Tracy. We pray for Gregorio and his family. We, we pray for Joe McCullough, Lord, who have lost loved ones recently. We just ask that you would continue to provide comfort and strength and, and above all, hope and trust in you that, that you will, will continue to um, meet them in their needs and, and surround them with, with your love. Lord, we, we do want to lift up uh, the, the children of Delphina. We think of Raul and Anthony and Merlin and Leo, Lord, and their dad, Raul. We, we just pray that you would meet them in this time of, of difficulty and provide for their needs and that they would be able to turn their eyes to you and, and find you as, as a comforting, loving father. And uh, Lord, we, we also thank you that Chris is feeling better and you've restored him to health. We pray for Jack Fernandez, continue to strengthen him and uh, that, that the gospel would just continue to be more and more real in his life and that, and that he would um, be able to proclaim you as, as Savior and Lord. Lord, and we just lift these requests up, um, knowing that you hear them. And for the many others that, that, that we don't mention, we know that you hear those as well. We want to lift up the Swains today as our family in focus for Dot and Fred. We, we are so grateful for your faithfulness to them and their love for you and this congregation over so many years. What a, what a great example of kind, loving people who seek to serve you. And so we just ask that you would bless them You'd meet them in their needs, that you'd strengthen Dot and, and help her in, in the challenges of, of daily living and pain, that you would give her relief and, and comfort in, in these times and the strength for each and every day as they face it together um, in you. We pray for the Wilsons, our, our missionaries in focus, uh, Linda and Jean 
Father, we, we thank you for the work that they're doing and, and the church planting, equipping ministry that they have around the world. And so we pray that you would multiply and bear fruit in, in these efforts, strengthen them, encourage them, and give them great joy and a fruitful season in ministry as they're nearing retirement. Uh, Lord, we, we list up the situation and the people of Ukraine, especially your people. We pray for your people in Russia as well, Lord. Would the church shine for you in the midst of, of the horror of war and, and suffering? And, and may your name be um, made much of and, and seen. And, and Father, we pray that, that you would bring about peace, not peace as the world gives, but your peace. And, and that in these, these times that, that uh, leaders would have wisdom from you to make decisions that, that will um, bring about what you what you want to happen. And so, Lord, we, we just lift them up. And so as we prepare to receive your word, Lord, we pray that you would prepare our hearts, that you would give us ears to hear, that we would be careful how we hear, that we wouldn't be dull to your word, but that it would be, present itself in a way that just moves us and, and transforms us. We pray for Pastor Pat that your unction would be upon him and that he would speak faithfully and powerfully the word that you've given him and from your word. And so we thank you for that and want to give you all the praise and honor and glory for all that we do here together and may it all be for you and for the glory of your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, You may be seated. Uh, Our scripture verse uh, from today, it's, it's a single verse, comes from the book of Proverbs. So for our Old Testament reading, Proverbs Chapter 11, verse 30, and it reads, The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who is wise wins souls. May God richly bless the reading of of his word. And uh, for those who are wanting to hear the translation of the sermon into Spanish, you can uh, proceed to, to dial in to that. The information is on the bulletin or in the back of the sanctuary. And for those who are going to go to King's Kids, they can now uh, go to their class. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Kevin. And again, welcome, everyone. We are uh, journeying through the Gospel of John, and we are almost done that journey, which is really co- sort of cool. This is probably, uh, I think we've been in here for like 75 weeks or more, so it's been fun. And we are now at the very end. We're at the last chapter of the book of John. We're in John chapter 21. So if you would turn there, uh, John chapter 21, I would really love to go through the whole chapter, but I just feel like it's going to be too much at once to to really be able to digest all this. So we're going to take the first, um, uh, let's say, I was going to do the first chapter. uh, 17. Let's do, we're going to do the first 14 today. So let's read the first 14 verses of John 21. It says, After these things, Jesus himself manifested again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And he manifested himself in this way. Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee and the sons of Zebedee And two other of his disciples were together. Verse 3, Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. Would have loved to get the voice inflection on that one. They said to him, we will also come with you. 
They went out and got, got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. But when the day was now breaking, Jesus stood on the beach, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. So Jesus said to them, children, you do not have any fish, do you? And they answered, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find a catch. <clears throat> so they cast and they were not able to haul it in because of the great number of fish. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. <clears throat> so when Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment for he was stripped for work and he threw himself into the sea, he became a fish. But the other disciples came into the little boat, <clears throat> for they were not far from the land, but about 100 yards away, dragging the net full of fish. That's verse 9. So when they got out of the land, they saw a charcoal fire already laid and fish placed on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you have now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land full of large fish, 153 and although there were so many, the net was not torn. And in verse 12, Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. <clears throat> None of the disciples ventured to ask <clears throat> or ventured to question him, who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. Verse 13, Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and the fish likewise. Now, this is the third time that Jesus was manifested to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. And so, although this chapter really should be studied fully together because it has one central theme, we are going to take these just and look at these first 14 verses. But the section right after this is that famous discussion between Peter and Jesus uh, about Jesus uh, and Peter's love for each other, right? Really, Simon Peter's love for Jesus. And then right after that, we have a section of uh, Jesus telling John and Peter what the future plans are for at least Peter. And uh, Peter inquires of the future plans for John. But, the, but there is one central theme in this whole chapter. But I figured in order to get to that, we really need to spend some time in the first 14 verses. So that's what we're going to do. Now, what is this chapter 21 anyway? It seems to have sort of been plopped in there. <clears throat> well, one favorite technique of filmmakers, especially in romantic films, is showing a snippet of the main character's future after the story is over. So, for instance, let's say the story resolves itself, right? And the hero, our main character, wins the girl back. The story then ends with both of them staring into each other's eyes, sunset in the background, cool music, fade the black screen. But then we see the words after that black screen, we see three years later. And we love that, right? Get so excited when that fades onto the screen. Some films just fade into a new place in time. Either way, it's something we really enjoy. We're getting a peek into the future of what we just saw. We may then see our, cu our couple who may or may have not been trying to have children and they weren't able to bear children, but now they have two kids and the wife is pregnant with a third and the whole family's playing outside their suburban house with the white picket fence and the golden retriever, happy, friendly neighbors even. And uh, as cheesy as all this sounds, it does bring us satisfaction 
to have this additional peek into that future. Now, this technique is called a flash forward, or as we know in writing, it's called an epilogue. An epilogue is a <clears throat> section at the end of a book or a film that serves as a comment on or a conclusion to what has just happened in the story. Now, John chapter 21 serves as one of these very satisfying flash-forward epilogues. It gives us a really neat glimpse into that you know, uh, period of time between the resurrection and the ascension, which was about 40 days. Now, we know in Acts chapter 1 what Jesus talked about those whole 40 days. It says it in Acts chapter 1. He talked to them about the things concerning the kingdom of God. But here we get a good, we get a sort of a little glimpse of just like a day in a life of what was going on with the disciples. And so despite all the rumors, <clears throat> all the biblical manuscripts do in fact contain chapter 21 from the earliest manuscripts to the latest. This wasn't thrown in there. Some scholars think John wrote it after he wrote the original to dispute or to refute lies about whether or not he was going to die and whether and really what sort of happened between Jesus and Peter. But it was, in fact, John, and it is part of the earliest of manuscripts. So it is legit. <clears throat> so... Um, John 21, like I said, has three distinct parts. We just read 1 to 14, which tell of the decision of the disciples to go fishing, which is what we're going to talk about today. And then 15 to 17 is Peter and Jesus' talk. <clears throat> and then finally, 18 to 25 is the future of Peter and John. Now, as we'll see, these are all going to tie nicely together with one central theme of following Jesus. Following Jesus. So today's section, in order to talk about these first 14 verses, we'll do it using uh, something that everybody loves, and that is uh, uh, metaphors and analogies of fishing. Fishing is mentioned at least eight or nine times in this first uh, 14 verses. Four, it's like eight or nine times fish, fishing, or something like it is used. Yes, fishing is what we need to be doing, but we don't want to follow the example exactly here uh, the disciples were to go fishing, but the one thing they got wrong was the type of fishing they were to do. They were to be, what? Fishers of men and women, not looking for some big catch in the Sea of Tiberias. The question is, is what is going on here? <clears throat> were they getting impatient waiting for Jesus? Now, remember, in Matthew chapter 28, verses 10, he did tell them to do this very thing. He said, go to Galilee. But even better, he said, don't be afraid. Go and take my word to my brethren, talking to Mary, to leave for Galilee. <clears throat> and there they will see me. So they went to Galilee and they're waiting for Jesus. Okay, great. But where is he? This is the question of these first 14 verses. Regardless if... You're just discovering Jesus for the first time. Maybe you're investigating the claims of Christianity or you're investigating the claims of Christ. You're, you've even prayed to Jesus. You're searching him out, or really I should say, <clears throat> he's searching you out. 
or whether you've known him for a long time, you've been maybe even in ministry, you're a, you're a believer for a while, it doesn't matter. Everyone at some point in their walk, I don't care who you are, in the pew, out of the pew, in the pulpit, out of the pulpit, <clears throat> everyone asks at some point, Jesus, where are you? Where are you? I need you now. Where are you? You told me all these things. You promised me all this. You said you would be here. So what are we to do when we ask that question? Maybe somebody's asking that question right now. You know, things aren't going good. Maybe you've been dabbling in other religions or other ideas about God or other forms of reality or whatever the case may be. There's so many different things that get thrown at us right now. It makes us doubt theologically. <clears throat> we also have a tumultuous time right now in our world. Where's Jesus right now in the Ukraine? Where's Jesus when Putin is having those talks in his cabinet about you know doing things that we know loss of lives are going to happen? Where's Jesus with this? <clears throat> Where's Jesus when uh, <clears throat> in my marriage? Where is he? You know, I'm doing all the right things, but I don't see any results here. <clears throat> Where's Jesus when I try to stop sinning? I can't keep going, keep doing the same stupid thing. Thought you were to deliver me, Lord. Where are you? And Jesus says to us, <clears throat> don't be afraid. Wait for me. I'm coming. I'm going to be there. But of course, we don't listen to that. It's not good enough for us. We say, but oh, show me. Wait a minute. What am I supposed to do? How? When? Connect the dots. I want to know everything now. <clears throat> the first thing we have to do as we see here is not follow the disciples' example exactly. See, we have to be patient. I guess you could say that's what the sermon is about. Patience. The first thing is being patient when waiting to go fishing. Because these guys were about to go and start a revolution of fishing. A revolution of fishing for men. They were going to take the world by storm with the God of the universe revealing himself in the resurrected Christ. They were going out and Jesus promised that when they did that, like a fisherman that casts a net, fish are going to run into that net <clears throat> and you are going to have catch after catch after catch. The gospel is going to go to the whole entire world. But Peter was obviously tongue in cheek. He went fishing, but really <clears throat> he went to do the wrong type of fishing. So we tongue in cheek have to be patient when waiting to go fishing for men waiting for Jesus to give us the guidance on what we have to do. Being everything that I just spoke to you about, the, war, the where is Jesus, is all fishing for men. It's all fishing for men. Jesus says, I'm going to come. I'm going to do that. You have problems in your life. You want to know where I'm at? Well, guess what? Your job and what I'm going to help you with is one thing, and that is to catch men. That's why he wants us to 
love our spouse. That's why he wants us to, to get through the tribulation and the, and, the, and the problems. He wants us to get through the things that are happening in our life. He wants us to get through those times where he's not there. You know, he's seemingly not there. We are to continue. We are to fish. We're not to sit around and revert back to our old game of fishing. And that's what Peter did. You know, there's a lot here. Um, there's a lot that's been read into this because you see, this isn't just like we're hanging out waiting for Jesus to come on the corner and, you know, hey, you know what? I got my poles in the car. We should just hit this lake, you know? And, and that's what I do in the summer. I have my pole in my car, <clears throat> my tackle, and I may just be driving and see a lake and I'll just pull over and fish for a few minutes. And I usually catch fish when I do that. But when I sit for hours at the lake, I just, I may catch one, but I'll go for 10 minutes and catch two, right? But I'm ready. I'm doing that. That's, it just happens to be there. The lake happens to be there. So let's go fishing. That's not what he's talking about here. He's almost like saying, <clears throat> you know, uh, I, Pat, I want you to go and pastor a church in Freehold at Faith Evangelical Church. And I go here and uh, I wait around and nothing really happens. And I say, God, you must not be calling me into ministry. So I'm going to go back and do my old business again. That's what Peter's saying here. Many scholars say that this is an actual rejection of his discipleship. Not a rejection, but almost a renouncing of it. Why? Because where are they? They're in his old location for his business. The Sea of Tiberias which was changed by Herod because he wanted to honor uh, the uh, emperor whose name was Tiberius. But this was the Sea of Galilee that they're at. This is right where they were from. This is where their business was. So maybe Jesus said, go there. Maybe this is a little bit of a test. They're waiting around for Jesus. There's seven of them there, many of which that were there in the beginning. And Peter says, I'm going fishing. <clears throat> I'm going back. I'm going to go back to do what I know. I, I guess maybe the Lord forgot about me. Maybe he took my failure too far. Maybe he's not showing up. Maybe if I go fishing, he'll come to the other guys. He doesn't want me there. Who knows what Peter was thinking? <clears throat> but he left and he went and jumped in. And guess what? That night he caught nothing. So when you wait on the Lord, you can, we can do things. We could try to fill that time with other stuff. We could try to dabble. But if God has called you to a specific area, no matter what you do, he is going to hedge your path with thorns and he is going to get you back on the right track. And that's the beauty of this passage is that Peter again and the disciples again are doubting. Again, they're turning away. They're not completely turning away from God, but they're just discouraged. They're troubled. They don't know what's going on. There's so much stuff happening. <clears throat> Maybe he just showed up for a few times. Maybe we did something wrong. Maybe something else is going to happen. Who knows? Let's just go fishing. Let's make some money and uh, let's do what we know best. And so they caught nothing. Nothing was productive. <clears throat> but then the day was now breaking. And I love this. This is a really neat piece of literature here, too. If you think about this, the sun coming up on the beach and Jesus standing there. 
how great of a sign that is, how great of a picture that must have been for them. And they didn't know it was Jesus. Again, we talked about this over the past couple weeks. Jesus was in a different form. He was not in an exact form. He was in a glorified state. I don't know if he was glowing or what he was looking like. They don't want us to worry about that. God doesn't want us to worry about that. Just wants us to know that he was flesh and bone and he was different. He was able to travel through different dimensions very easily without having to be obstructed by material things. His body was different. So he looked a little different. But then he says to them, children, do you have any fish? This is like the most common question that you ever get asked when you're out fishing. And somebody walks by, you know they're going to ask. And you just start to think, what am I going to say? Yeah, I think that was about two pounds. Yeah, you know, it's a one pounder. I caught the same one pound fish every single time I went fishing last year at Rising Sun Lake. Every time. (laughs) Caught 11 bass last year. And every single one was the same bass, I'm convinced. If you're a fisherman, you, you get it. It's the same one, the same size, it looks the same, the same fight. <clears throat> he tells him, cast a net on the side of the boat <clears throat> and you will find a catch on the right side of the boat. Now they must have started to getting the flutters there because this is all like deja vu. This is like, this all happened before, didn't it? And so they had cast it and they weren't even able to haul in because of the great number of fish. So they remembered, as you remember from the past, years earlier, Peter was there at the Sea of Galilee, the very same place Jesus was walking by. He saw the two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, casting a net into the sea. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and their boats. And then we see another version in Luke where Jesus did what Luke, what Jesus, uh, or Peter did what Jesus said. And he dropped to his knees and said, Lord, I'm a sinful man. Get away from me <laughs> after he pulled in the big catch. So this is resonating. This is in Peter's mind right here. He was waiting on the Lord. He was getting impatient. <clears throat> and then when we get that way, Like he prepared Paul 14 years before his first missionary journey. Prepared Moses 40 years. Well into his 80s, he was used. We can go on. Abraham, the nation of Israel. God always follows through with his promises. He will never let you down. He will never leave you waiting. You are his child. He's not going to leave you waiting at the Sea of Galilee to have to go start up your old business again. If he told you to be there, he's going to be there. If he's leading you in your life in a certain way, you stay focused and you go and you wait and you turn 80 and you then hear God say, go, you're ready now. You needed the preparation to wait. We need to know that God is causing us to be exactly where we're at right now for a reason. It's not out of his control. It's not shocking him. You haven't done something to change God's mind. You're right where you're at because God is working with you, on you, in you. And at the same time, he is doing it for a purpose to use you to go out and fish for him. And as you see, right, we have to be patient while waiting But we also have to be patient, too, while waiting for the actual catch. Now, this was a very fast catch. 
But as you see here, Jesus isn't so concerned with getting them enough fish to eat. He's trying to show us, John is trying to show us that when we patiently wait to go fishing, we also patiently wait and God will bring in the catch. Jesus will bring in the catch and he will bring it in full to capacity. That night they caught nothing, but then that morning they caught more than they could handle. You see, we always want to see results. That's our, our biggest thing, our, our biggest, uh, I guess, as even as Americans, we want everything, right? That's what everybody says about Americans. They want it instantly. We don't want to wait for nothing. And I'm right along with you. That's me. I want, if I want to order something on Amazon, I want it today. I don't want it tomorrow, right? Come on. Drone it in for me. Whatever you have to do, I want it now, right? <clears throat> I want to be good with my wife, so I go say something nice to her. Come on, let's go. I said something nice. Be nice to me now. Everything I've ever done is gone because I said one nice thing. We want results immediately. Come on, Lord, we're here at the church. Fill it up now and let's have a revival. No. Minister to the people that are in front of you. Minister to the person next to you. Minister to who God's got in your life now. That's what we could do. That's what fishing for men is all about. Now, I don't know what this... Um, <clears throat> 153 mean. Um, there's been a lot of uh, talk on it in scripture, and I could give you what Augustine said and what Calvin said and what all this said, and I, I don't believe any of them are preachable. I just believe that it's some sort of number that says, hey, we have a fish full of nets, and uh, of, uh, we have a net full of fish, and there must be some symbolic value in 153 and the size of this catch that means something that maybe we'll find out uh, complicated mathematics to symbolize this completeness. I don't know, but I'm not worried about that. Don't worry about the number. Look at what the, John is trying to tell us. It's a huge, huge catch. And then Peter, of course, indicative of, he, uh, of his you know, of his love and passion for the Lord. And also, you know, I think too, Peter wanted to have this talk with, with Jesus. You know, we really don't know what happened. We know that Paul says in Acts 15 that he revealed himself to Cephas, which is Peter, but we're not sure if he means here or if he means personally to Peter. So maybe Peter had a personal interaction with Jesus, but I think it was after this before he ascended. Hope I'm not confusing you, but uh, he was, I think, because of the way he became a fish and dove in. I mean, that's a lot to dive into the water, right? Unless somebody's drowning, I'm not diving into the water. Oh, it's Jesus. Cool. Let's uh, get the little boat and go over. You know, he was like, and just dove in. And it's probably because he wanted to have that conversation with Jesus and have that reconciliation or at least get the feel from him. And we know that it's that because that's what we see in verse 15, which we'll talk about next week. All to Simon, do you love me? Tend my sheep. Simon, do you love me? Uh, shepherd my, or tend my lamb, shepherd my sheep. <clears throat> and then he says, um, tend my lamb, shepherd my sheep, tend my sheep. But the word love is used differently 
uh, several different times, which we'll talk about next week. But so I really think that this was Peter wanting to go to the Lord and have this talk with him and have this reconciliation with him. And, um, and this is the beauty of, of Christ. Again, this is about Jesus coming after his disciples, right? Those disciples doing knucklehead things. He's going after them and straightening them out. Come on, guys. Like, here's, here's how we're going to do this, all right? You're, um, you're going to be a fisher of men. You're going to have a full net, but you got to follow me. You can't be going back to your old way. You, you've signed on here with me as a Christian. So now follow me. Otherwise, you're not a Christian. So, so this is what we got to do. You're not only a Christian, Peter, but you're going to be a, really used in the next few years, a couple decades, to really bring in a lot of fish. So get, forget about this business of fishing and remember this business of fishing. And so I believe that's what he wants to show Peter here. And so we have to be patient while waiting, you know, patient while waiting to go fishing, patient while waiting for the catch. And of course, be ready for the possibilities like we see here. Um, there's a lot of little, uh, I guess, there's signposts throughout all this of, of what I'm talking about. For instance, we see the fish, the big catch, in the nets that are full being dragged in by the disciples. And so that preaches well because Jesus says, using the same word for drag, he says, no one can come to me unless the Father drags them or draws them. And then he also says that when I am lifted up, I will drag or draw all men to myself. And so he says these things and then when we think about the catch, we see, okay, God is doing the calling and the dragging, but he's using us to be a part of that pulling. So we're very much involved in the fishing and the building of the kingdom here. <clears throat> and as we said in Acts 1 to 3, Jesus spoke during his 40 days after the resurrection about the kingdom of God. So he's talking here about the kingdom of God in the context of fishing. We see that you are part of the fishing process to build for this kingdom that I am now starting and launching. And I love how John puts in there that Jesus eats, right? He's eating with the disciples and it's not just an eating like, hey, they're sitting down and they're eating. He words it very similar to what? He took the bread and he gave it to them. This is a, 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 a picture of that last supper, a picture of eating together. <clears throat> and what does he say in Luke 22? He says, when the hour had come, he reclined at the table. He said to them, I've earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say, I will never again eat it until it's fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And so we see it here now, him eating this supper with bread and fish in after the kingdom of God has started. So we see a context here of the kingdom of God, what the work is of the kingdom of God, bringing in fish, and who's a part of that work. It's God drawing and dragging, but we are also being a part of it and pulling in as well. And we are to be fishers, fully committed fishers of men 
when we do this. We, and this is what it is, being a part of, a, uh, being a Christian and not at all telling one single person or impacting one single person is really uh, a misnomer. It's really not. I don't know how that person could be unless, of course, they're on their deathbed and there's those really rare circumstances. But the normative in Scripture for you and me is to be out there following Jesus. How? By fishing for men and being focused on that. And so we'll have these amazing, amazing possibilities because of what Jesus is doing in, with us in, as he's building and restoring for his kingdom to come. And so this is real exciting. So be patient when going fishing. Don't think the Lord forgot about you just because the Lord is on his time and not yours. And the Lord's time, can, uh, as it relates to your life, means that where he has you right now is where he has you right now. That's really hard to understand, but know and relish in it. Cuddle up into his chest, into his bosom, and know he has you right where you are. But be ready, because he's going to continue to move. He's going to be bringing things to you that you are going to work with him, and it's going to be in the context of fishing. And so be patient while waiting for that catch. He will give you confirmation when you're in the right place. Like he did with, uh, the, with them here. He came and he got them aligned about being fishers of men. Follow me. But he'll also tell you when you're doing it wrong. You're out there back doing your old stuff again. Come on in. You're not going to catch anything over there. You're not going to catch anything apart from the branch, apart from the vine. You're only going to catch and be productive when you're part of that vine. So be ready for the possibilities too. <clears throat> Knowing this is a big picture. The kingdom is big. And there's many, many ways God can use you. Okay, but you have to stay focused and you have to follow Jesus. And that's what I want you to remember. <clears throat> Sitting below the surface of this chapter is the charge from the Lord to follow him. And so I timed it. I think it was a minute and one second point thirty eight. That's how long it took me to read John chapter 21 casually last night. And I say that to you, that's not how long I studied it. <laughs> I wish. No, I said it to you because I want you all to read it this week for next week. And, 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 if you, and I joke because if you could read my emails, which probably take you 10, 15 minutes to get through, you could read John 21, which only will take you, if you're an average reader, around a minute. But it will help us tremendously. So please do that for next week. More as the conclusion is we must be fishers of men in order to follow in Jesus's footsteps. And the picture here is to follow Jesus not only now as he's in heaven leading us by the Holy Spirit. Like John says, that we are to walk as he walked, right? So there's an essence, there's, we're, we're to follow him by the power of the spirit and get his leading, but we're also to follow him and walk as he walked from the, in the scriptures and how he walked in love and how he had a very specific aim to go to Jerusalem, to go to the Jews first, Okay, and then from the Jews, then making that right, making Israel right through his death and resurrection, getting them forgiveness they need, he sends them out to the world 
for the Gentiles. And there's where you and I come in. So now we have been converted and we're connected right to that great commission. And now we have to go out and be those fishers of men to help build for that kingdom. So it's cool to see that John spent 20 chapters telling us to believe in Jesus for eternal life. And now he dedicates an entire chapter to follow Jesus. But the funny thing is, is some think that this chapter is out of sorts a little bit because of this contrast. But I think it goes perfectly together. And I think John wants us to connect this because when John uses believe throughout all 20 chapters, he uses it in a context of action and of cleaving to Jesus. So the following and believing aren't really different. You can't have one without the other. John never made believing in his book easy believism. He never made it just nod to Jesus or just give Jesus a try or Jesus will make you, you know, have a better life or anything like that. No, it was always, you know, you must cleave on to Jesus, believe unto Jesus, do what Jesus says. If you love me, you'll obey my commands. If you're my disciple, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. He's all of this has to do with action. And so he's telling us to believe, to believe, to believe. And even in 21, he's saying, okay, follow Jesus. This is really the proof of the belief. You can't separate believing in Christ from following in Christ. So I want to encourage you again. What do you do now? What I would do is if, if you feel as if Jesus is maybe you're waiting for him and he hasn't showed up, then the first thing you have to do is repent. Why? Because Jesus never leaves us, does he? We leave him. We sort of pull away from him. So you have to repent. You have to go to Jesus and say, Lord, I know you're not leaving me. It's just I'm not really waiting on you patiently enough. So Lord, I want you just to examine me. Just look through my heart. If there's anything in me that's impatient, show me. And Lord, show me. And this is so important, guys. Am I waiting in the right place for the right thing? Or have you created your own plans for God? Are you waiting for the Lord? Are you willing for the Lord to say, turn around and go in the other direction? Are you waiting for the Lord to maybe tell you, you know, throw the net on the other side of the boat. No, but you don't understand, Lord. I've been out all night fishing. Now throw it over here. I encourage you to go to him, repent, and then go to him for direction. He will guide you. He will show himself strong to you. And how does he do it? You're going to hear it every, hopefully every week from me that I preach here. And that is through the word and through prayer and through fellowship. We talked about last week, that last week, this is how he talks to us. He talks to us through the word. He talks to us through prayer. And he talks to us through other believers that, that encourage us and, and call us out and show us the word of God and, sh- and pray with us. Okay, so I, I want to encourage you that if you feel like you've been waiting for around in Galilee, it's okay. Jesus is going to come. But you have to, you have to, you have to be listening. You've got to be putting your eyes out. You want to be hearing.
You want to make sure you're in the right place at the right time. And so let's just pray and thank him for, for, uh, for this word. Lord, we thank you for John chapter 21. And I pray that if there's anyone here that is seeking you, Lord, especially for the first time, God, that they would sincerely cry out to you for salvation. Lord, that they would ask you to take their life, that they would follow you as Lord, and that they would most importantly, Lord, trust you to, to forgive them of their sins. And they would believe on you, Lord, believe that you are risen from the dead and is seated at the right hand of the Father. Help us follow you, Lord. Guide us, even uh, those of us that are wondering maybe where to go, what, what to do next. We're waiting for you to show up, Lord. Forgive us for our impatience and, and lead us to repentance, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so let's uh, take this last uh, song and let's just lift our voices to the Lord. Let's all stand together. seat. Just a couple of quick announcements and then we will dismiss.